Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. We are so glad to have you here. It's Portia. And sometimes Gwen. And we have a great guest for you today <laughs> that Gwen will be introducing in just a moment. But we're just so glad to be together. It is a great day. It's always a great day. Did you know that? Even on cloudy days? I was yeah. flying once and it was raining when I left and then we got above the clouds and the sun was just like everywhere. And I went, I need to remember this. Mm-hmm. Even on cloudy, dreary days, it's sunny above the clouds. And so I'm a very reliant person on sunshine, both S-U-N shine and the sun S-O-N. And so sometimes I have to remind myself, it's sunny above the clouds. He's with mm-hmm. you. You're good. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So. Gwen, please introduce us to our guest today. I know this is going to be a powerful story for our listeners. Well, everybody, She Speaks Stories Tribe, please meet Samantha Morgan, a completely ordinary Midwesterner, those were her words, who's told us she's often mistaken for someone else, struggling over the years with the heartache of infertility and not feeling enough Today, she shares the story that planted a seed in her heart to form a network of support for those facing infertility and adoption. You are going to love this one-of-a-kind Missouri girl. Welcome, Samantha. Welcome, Samantha. (laughs) What an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Are you doing well today? Thank you. Thank you. I am. I am. It is cloudy here, but it is a beautiful day. You're right. It's sunny above the clouds. I love that. I love that. And if it's nighttime, it's sunny on the other side of the world. So we're we're covered. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sam, you came to us through our Facebook or through Instagram? Uh How did we connect? Through Facebook. Okay. Yes. And um, real fast, will you tell the listeners about that? Because I want them to know that we really do pay attention when people reach out to us. Yes, I was shocked. Well, I um, had read a Facebook post that you were looking for women to share their story. And so I did. I reached out um, and emailed, and I didn't think that I would get anything back. Um, And and you guys did. So I was kind of surprised. I love it. I love it. Well, because we just know that stories change lives. And so we are really thankful that you came um, on to be with us to share yours. So tell us, what makes Samantha, Samantha? Well, like Gwen said, I am born and raised in Southern Missouri, uh, the only girl between two boys. And so I'm a bit of a tomboy. I always have been. And So I'm just the quintessential Midwest girl next door. And we have a running joke in my house, uh, like Gwen shared, about once a week, once every other week, I get mistaken for someone else. They go, oh, (laughs) hi. And then they look at me and they go, wait, I don't think you are. I go, no, I'm not who you think I am. (laughs) I I tell them, I go, I'm completely ordinary looking. I am just that's it. So I am just a completely ordinary girl. Oh my goodness. I love that. I'm trying so. to think right now who I would think you would be. I'll get back to you on that as we, <laughs> as we continue okay. to talk. You, you do look familiar to me and I can't even think of the person. <laughs> so, so I can see why people, or there's something about you that just feels so comfortable. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and and you are lovely to look mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. Oh well, thank you. Well, I, I try to smile at everybody, so yes. I think I kind of put off because I think smiling is contagious, and I yes. think if you make eye contact with someone, so even strangers in Walmart, I always make a point to make eye contact and smile, and so yes. I think that they think I know them, maybe. Sure. To start uh, with. Sure. But um, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just being nice. <laughs> it also could be, I do believe that people who have faith in Jesus, yeah. that other people that you don't know, but they yeah. also have faith in Jesus, or yeah. oh, there's something familiar. And what's familiar is the yeah. spirit of God in you, is the same yeah. spirit of God in them, yeah. and they're recognizing it. And yeah. so. Um, That's beautiful. Yes. That is. I love that. Yeah. I would love that too to be the case. I would love that. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's yes. so awesome. There was so. a, once a, um, I, <laughs> I went to the doctors and one um, on my way home, I got a dozen donuts. <laughs> my family <laughs> in the middle of like, it was the first week of shutdown. So, <laughs> so I go and the donut store is still open everything. So I go into the donut store and there's this woman standing in front of me who, um, um, turned around and smiled at me and we just started talking and, um, and we were three to six feet apart. And I said, Oh, it's a sad time for the world right now. And she says, um, and I said, but you look happy. And she says, my hope, my hope is in the Lord. Oh. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I love that. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I know. And then, um, and she was right in front of me and she just, she had cash. And she said, she asked the people, oh, just keep the change. No, I'm sorry. We're not allowed to keep the change. She goes, well, then give it to my new friend. Oh. And so then she paid for a couple of donuts. So I just thought, <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Wow. So, like that. you, Sam, like you. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Completely. Oh, good. Well, and yet not completely. Anyway, no, because I know who I belong to and that's, that's the beautiful thing. But I, yeah, we grew, I grew up with my two brothers, you know, had that picture, perfect Midwest childhood, great parents. Um, and I was saved at a very young age, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what you do in the Midwest. And so we, uh, you know, God was always important in our house, but Mm -hmm. church wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, my parents both worked. So by the time I was a teenager, um, I drove myself to church, um, to youth group, that sort of thing, um, and, and had a good relationship with God. I, um, you know, I really felt like if I followed the rules and I followed the rule book and I followed what God wanted me to do, that I would be blessed and everything would be taken care of. And it was. So I lived in this very um, sheltered life, some might say. So, um, so yeah. And then I um, met my husband on a blind date, actually. I didn't think I told you that earlier. <laughs> um, and when I was probably 19, working at Walmart as a cashier, and he came through my line after he had called and asked me out to kind of, he goes, I wanted you to see me first before we went on a date. <laughs> and he was buying laundry ter- detergent. So I thought, well, that's a good sign. He does his own laundry. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So, you know, we met and I got that, you know, when he first called, I was like, well, I don't know this guy. Maybe I shouldn't go. And then I just had that 
you know, that green light from the Holy Spirit that said, if you don't go, you're going to be missing out on something. And um, so, yeah, so we went and we dated and um, got married um, after I graduated college. And um, and it and it just uh, was wonderful. You know, everything was wonderful. And 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 all the thoughts that I had about God, about uh, checking off those boxes of not smoking, not drinking, not going out and partying, you know, following the rules, you know, not having sex before marriage, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And um and I thought, this is going to be a great life, smooth sailing, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and I didn't even, um, I felt after we got married, um, is when I actually got baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that, um, calling to be obedient, um, in that and Michael, uh, my husband, Michael supported me in that. And, and so everything was good, um, and then we decided we were going to have kids. You know, you wait the two years and then <laughs> mm-hmm. we're going to build a family. And so um, we went, uh, went to the doctors, went to, you know, everything that we should have and things weren't going as planned. And, um, and so, you know, I was, I still had a lot of faith. You know, you have, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. God, mm-hmm. you know, has good in store for us. Right. And so, um, so struggling with the infertility, uh, was hard. And, and I love that I get to come on in April because April's national infertility awareness month. Wow. And, and so I know that there's listeners out there that, um, maybe struggling because one in eight couples struggle with infertility. Mm -hmm. So I know one in eight um, women out there that are listening are struggling with infertility or they have, and and this is their story as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's why I'm here today. I just, I want to share our story about infertility and, and where God took us with that. Um, uh, So what's up? What got you to the point, um, you and your husband, that you were ready to do something else, to adopt? Yes. Well, yes. And our infertility took us to adoption. And um, we had fertility treatments, fertility doctors, tests, medicines, shots, IUIs, which are a term some will remember, some will know, um, several, several of those and hundreds of dollars spent on this, um, after about three or four years. And it kind of ended with our fertility doctor telling us, well, the sun and the moon and the stars are going to have to align before you two get pregnant. And Mm. I was alone. My husband wasn't with me when he told me this news and he said, you're going to have to go do in vitro. Mm. And, I, and I thought, how rude <laughs> first mm. of him. And then I thought, no, my God is bigger than this. Mm. And, um, and so we really had to decide if in vitro was what we wanted to do or if there was other options out there. And, um, and God really, um, both of us were teachers. I was a teacher at the time. And so kids were my business. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, um, my heart was really okay with adoption. Um, 
from the start, but Michael's was not. He was not on board with adoption. And when we first started talking about adoption, his um, first words were, and he's okay with me sharing this now, mm-hmm. his, his first words were, I don't want someone else's problem. And his um, view, his mom was a social worker. Mm-hmm. So he had heard all the horror stories. He knew, you know, everything that, uh, and, and we hadn't been around kids. We hadn't been around anyone who had adopted. We hadn't been around anyone who was adopted. So it just wasn't in our vocabulary yet. Mm-hmm. And um, so once we got that ultimatum, things kind of really changed. <laughs> and I really, um, I really started praying differently. Um, I prayed very specifically for God to soften Michael's heart. And because I didn't want to do in vitro, I was Mm -hmm. done with shots. I was done. And I knew it was so much more invasive and so much more expensive. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a guarantee at the end. Mm -hmm. So I was really ready to adopt very early. And um, so I really prayed for God to soften Michael's heart um, because it's a lot harder for men to jump on board with that, I think, Mm -hmm. than it is a mother. Um, so I prayed for God to soften his heart. I prayed for God to take the desire of pregnancy away from me. Um, and I really, to be able to do that, I had to ask myself a question. Do I want to be pregnant for nine months or do I want to be a mother for the rest of my life? And, um, I just wanted to be a mom. I didn't ca- care how it happened. So, and, um, and God is good in that. And, um, and I don't have a desire at all anymore <laughs> to be pregnant. That is gone. That boat has sailed. <laughs> and um, so he's good in that. And he knew my heart and knew that I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some ladies out there thinking, well, that's my heart's desire. And, and I don't want anyone listening to feel guilty um, if that's what God has put on their heart. Um, and sometimes it takes people three or four years like us. And some people, it takes a lot longer. Um, I talk to a lot of women who are like, okay, I'm eight years in and I, and I think I'm ready to adopt now, or I think, you know, and so, um, there's no timeline with infertility of how it runs its course. But um, I was ready pretty early on. Um, and Michael, um, I really prayed for God to, to soften his heart and, and prayed for um, him to have a change of heart, really. And he went a normal day, went to see the insurance agent. And in the floor of his insurance agent was this little girl and was playing and, and he was admiring her. And he's like, I thought you had boys. Where did this girl come from? (laughs) And the insurance agent said, well, my wife and I actually just adopted from, um, I believe it, it was a country in Eastern Europe somewhere. And, and he's like, oh, kind of taken back. And he came home talking about this little girl and how amazing she was and how pretty she was. And just, she's like, he said, they're just little kids. Mm -hmm. And that was his moment 
where he really had a change of heart to everything. So once we... And change of heart was really, I think, just God's timing. It was God. Yeah. Yeah. And the timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. His timing. Yeah. So I don't want, if there's any women listening that their husbands are just totally not on board with something, you just have to pray about it. You have to pray and believe that God is going to take care of it and that God is going to, um, in his time, Yes. because if it had happened any sooner and we had pressed it, we may not have our little boy today. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we may not have, you know, it wouldn't have worked out. Um, so so pray, pray for yourself, pray for your husband, mm-hmm. um, and, and thank God for the future family that oh, he's going to provide. I love that. Um, so, um, so yeah, we really had to both have a change of heart, um, from changing over from infertility to adoption because I was mad too. I don't want to make anything. I don't want to paint this beautiful picture. I was mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, I was mad because I had checked off all those boxes. I had done what I was supposed to do and we were still having to go through this. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I was mad at God and I had to really, um, I had to heal from that, um, as well. Mm -hmm. And, and God continued to take me back to Romans eight, um, and I know we, we all know the beautiful, you know, he has good in store. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning of Romans 8, um, 18, it says, that's why I don't think there is any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good. Wow. And, and so we can't even compare the hard times to the good times because we have hope in Jesus. Amen. So, I love that um, so that is kind of the reason why we, um, how we got to adoption and how we finally came together and decided um, that adoption was for us. And we researched the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we researched what well, I did. I did all the research, all the calling the agencies to finding the perfect agency. And everyone asks now, Um, you know, well, where do I start if I want to adopt? You research, you research everything. And, um, we had decided we had looked into foster care. We had Mm -hmm. looked into domestic adoption and we looked into international adoption and every roadblock we either, you know, you get that traffic sign from the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. and you either get a green light or a red light. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we had, um, continuously went back to international adoption and you know my heart was still soft (laughs) Mm -hmm. at the time and um I knew that international adoption you kind of were on a waiting list and you were next in line there was no um guessing Mm -hmm. and with everything else there's guessing you know there's there's waiting there's the unknown wait and God knew I couldn't handle that Mm -hmm. and so we, um, and because of this little girl that he had met, Michael was, um, we were both very enamored with the Eastern European. We knew that mm-hmm. a lot of countries over there didn't get as much attention as possibly China or Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we knew the kids there were, were kept in orphanages. And, um, and I think what really stuck out to us is once we found out that Russian orphan, Russian children who are aged out of an orphanage, Mm -hmm. they have ID cards, everyone over there. Mm -hmm. And if they were an orphan as a child, they don't get to start a new life when they age out. Their, their card is stamped orphan for the rest of their life. Mm. They have no support. Mm. And most of them end up in drugs mm-hmm. or prostitution. Mm-hmm. And so that we just, we just kept going back to that. And, um, and is how we kind of ended up, um, is how we, God took us to Russia okay. um, with our first uh, with our first adoption. Um, so, Sam, tell us about how um, the rush came about in your ministry, the Rush to Hope Ministries. What, what is Rush to Hope Ministries? And tell us about Rush. Well, Rush to Hope is my um, ministry for infertility, child loss, um, pregnancy loss, and adoption. So anyone who is struggling, I really try to connect. And if I have not per- personally gone through, like I never went through IVF, but I have mentors that I know that I can connect people with who have. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I've been through every situation or done Mm -hmm. everything, but I know people who have. And so my main goal in starting that was to start this um, spider web, if you would, of Mm -hmm. networking between people um, who they can contact me and say, hey, I'm dealing with this right now. You know, my child's going to be born with this condition. Do you know someone who I can connect with? Um, so, um, that is really the mission behind that. And rush in rush to hope is our son. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yes. His name is rush. (laughs) And, um, And yes, he is adopted from Russia. Mm -hmm. Um, that is not why we chose the name. (laughs) Just so happy. It's quite a coincidence. Yes, yes. Um, But yeah, so when we decided um, that we were going to go to Russia, we had actually decided that we were going to get siblings. We wanted two children. And and so we applied for two children. We got visas for two children. You know, the whole government paperwork stuff, all of that stuff for two children. Um, We got the call fairly soon after that um, we had been selected, that we got a referral. Now, in Russian adoption, it's closed now, unfortunately. I'm very, very sad about that. But um, it it got closed right after, very soon after we got home with him. Um, So it was a miracle that we got home with him even. But um, in Russian adoption, you had to make three trips. Your first trip, you met your children. The second trip you went to court. The third trip, you picked them up. And this is a span of about three months you would make these trips. Um, So we got a referral for a brother and sister, and their names were Yegor and Krishina, and they were adorable. She was almost two, and he was just turned four. And they had been in the orphanage for a couple of years now, and so they were available to Americans to adopt. And so we flew over in September, um, and we, we spent five days with them. 
And we had brought a backpack full of toys and, you know, the, the first meeting that I thought was going to be beautiful and it was destructive. It was awful because they didn't know us. We couldn't speak to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yegor banged on the door the whole time trying to get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but it was by the fourth day, they let us go out to the playground and play and, he was holding the worker's hand. And as soon as he saw us, he just came running. And it still gets me. <laughs> he just came running into my arms. And I knew that we could bond and build a family. Mm-hmm. And I was just over the top. We, this was it. And... So we flew back from that trip. I was on cloud nine. I, had the, I was getting the nursery ready. I had their beds ready. Uh, my friends and family and coworkers, we had toddler showers mm-hmm. for us and um, had all of the things expecting parents would have. Um, the nursery was ready. And two days before we fly out, we get a phone call from the agency. And she said... Um, well, are you sitting down? And I said, okay, yes, I'm sitting down. Just while the aunt of Yegor and Christina has been contacted that they are getting adopted and she wants to keep them. And I was devastated. Um, here I had a closet full of clothes. I had washed them all, hung them all with care. I had their beds made and uh, they had just been taken from me. And this is the family that had not come to visit them ever in two years. They, they lived in the town next door and in, had never even come to visit them. And, but all family had to be notified when children were getting adopted. And so she decided that she wanted to take them and raise them. And I went home after that phone call. Um, I was at work. I left work early. I left school early and I destroyed that nursery. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I threw things. (laughs) I ripped things down. It was not pretty. And um, at the end of that phone call, she said, you know, I'm really sorry, but you still have to fly over and appear in court to stop the adoption because it had went so far. So we still had to get on that plane two days later. And they said, well, we don't have any children right now for you to see, um, but we'll try to find some. It's kind of how it was left. And so before we got on the plane, Michael was, I was pretty heartbroken. I was not in a very good place. And um, he pretty much had dragged me back on that plane. And um, before we got on, they had called, the agency called and said, well, we have a little girl for you to visit. And, um, so when you get over here, we'll go to court and then, um, you can visit this little girl. And I just, I remember telling Michael, this is not how it was supposed to be. My oldest was going to be a boy. You know, I had, I had visions of, you know, 
that I felt God had given me. And, and I felt like I was going to the pound to pick out a new puppy, that my puppy had just died. And, you know, my kids had died, you know, the dream of my family. And so we fly back over. That trip was horrible because we missed our connecting flight in Germany and had to spend a seven-hour layover to get a new flight in. <laughs> mm. Everything was going wrong. Right. And, and um, so once we got to court, we uh, were late to court, but we got there and our agency worker was there. Everyone was very somber. And our agency kept saying, this never happens we are so sorry. This never happens. And I didn't really know if I believed her at first, but once I got into court and I saw everyone was very upset for us, Mm -hmm. the judge was very upset for us. And the judge Mm -hmm. said, this never happens. We're very sorry. Um, then I was like, okay, maybe this just doesn't happen. And after court, after court, the little, um, orphanage lady, the, the quintessential version of what you would think a grandma, <laughs> Russian grandma would look like. That was her. And she got us in really close uh, with our translator. And she was talking to our translator. And I thought she was telling us, okay, wh- you know, telling us that she was sorry for what happened. And after she was done talking to the translator, the translator looked at us and said, she picked you out a baby. And she wants you to come meet him. And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) And and she said something else. And the translator said, looks just like dad. He looks just like dad. She went and she picked him out just for us because she thought he looked like my husband. And, um, And so we... Uh, went and met him on that Friday and they brought him in and he is just gorgeous. He was just beautiful. And they handed it to me and obviously I just melted. He was 10 months old and our, our agency worker, um, Tatiana, she said, this, this doesn't happen either. Americans <laughs> do not get babies. <laughs> and there, they have to spend at least nine months in the orphanage before they are eligible for Americans. Well, he was only 10 months old. So um, they said, this, Americans do not get babies. So this doesn't happen either. And so we met him on Friday and just, it was over for me. Like he was mine. Mm -hmm. And actually he looks like my brothers is who he looks like. He looks and he acts just like my dad now. So <laughs> which is even crazier. But we fell in love with him, but we still had a little girl to visit as well because we had applied for two. Mm-hmm. So we met him on Friday. And the next day on Saturday, we, we went to meet Sophia. And she was in a different orphanage. She was only four months older um, than Rush. And, and so we met her. And I didn't have that initial she's mine feel like I did just didn't feel like God was giving me the green light. And it was somewhere between obligation and motherly instinct. Mm -hmm. And Michael, who was totally against adoption to start with, he kept saying, we can't leave her here. (laughs) 
we have to take them both, you know, and we can't leave her, you know, after meeting her, we can't leave her. And she was healthy and Rush was very developmentally delayed. Like he was not crawling. He was not sitting up by himself at 10 months. So Mm -hmm. I knew that we might have some medical issues there. Mm -hmm. And Sophia was completely healthy um, and walking and she was already, you know, 14 months old. And so we had to decide, we met him on Friday, her on Saturday. We had to decide on Sunday what we were going to do. If we were going to only take one or take both and to Tatiana, our worker, she goes, okay, just let me know. (laughs) It was no big deal. It was just another day. And so Sunday evening, she came back and we were still, Michael was still adamant that we needed to take both of them. And I just didn't have that green light yet. I just didn't feel right about it. And so she came in and asked, and I said, well, we definitely want the little boy. His name was Nikita. Um, And so I said, we definitely want Nikita. I said, but we're just not sure about Sophia yet. And she said, okay, well, you can go and meet her tomorrow again and decide. And we're like, okay, we'll go meet her again tomorrow and see. I said, but can I see him again before I leave? And she said, no, there's no time for that. You can only see one of them. And that was just, I was just, I was so torn. And she said, okay, well, I'm going to go next door and talk to the couple next door about their adoption. And I'll set up for you to go meet Sophia again tomorrow. And we said, okay. And so she walked out our door and Michael and I were talking again about it. And I just got this complete assurance from God that she was not ours Mm -hmm. and she was belonged to somebody else. And, and I know that sounds crazy and it sounded crazy to Michael because he's like, but I said, she's healthy Mm -hmm. and she belongs to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I want to see Rush again. I want to see my baby again Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And I said, go knock on that door before we change our mind. Mm -hmm. And so he went out of our hotel room and knocked on the neighbors that we're also adopting. And Tatiana um, came back to our room after she was done. And she goes, okay, what do you want? We said, we want to go visit Nikita again tomorrow. Sophia's not ours. And she goes, okay. She goes, I was um, at that very moment that God told me that she didn't belong to us. She was next door telling that couple that their adoption had fell through. I love that. And they were here for a little girl. And their adoption fell through. So the next day they went and met Sophia and fell in love with Sophia. Oh. And she was always supposed to be a part of their family. And if you look at pictures, she looks just like them. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we got to go to, we got to pick our kids up at the same time. Mm-hmm. We got to see Sophia again with her parents. We went to the U.S. Embassy together to get their visas and their passports to come home. And I still have her on Facebook. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so... Through this whole thing, we tried to get two kids out. Mm-hmm. And God said, I'm going to double that. Yeah. Because the pain that we went through with Yegor and Christina, 
they're always going to be my kids. But we had to go through that for their family to come and get them. Mm-hmm. And that was always God's plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had to go through that pain and we didn't see God's plan and this whole miraculous, you know, plan that he had for all of us, mm-hmm. for all four of those kids. Right. Um, and for each set of parents. Right. Um, he didn't have, you know, I couldn't see any of that right. happening. Right. And it was just, it was beautiful to be able to sit and just in awe of what God had in store I love that. for us after we had went through so much pain um, and heartache. Only, so, oh yeah, only God yeah. could have orchestrated all of those different details oh. to, the, to the detail, 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 to the smallest to detail. To the detail, yes. Yeah. I love yes. that. So that is, and so he is renamed Rush and he is our little, uh, we were going to rename uh, Yegor and Krishina Maverick and okay. Reagan. Mm-hmm. And so we just, I didn't feel like we could reuse the name Maverick. I said that sure. belonged to somebody else. Sure. And so um, that's right. how my mother had actually suggested Rush and that's how we got Rush. Oh, I love it. So, and then came... And then came hope. Hope. Yes. How did becoming her mama change you? Oh my gosh. It was so much harder the second time. So much harder. (laughs) But um, we, uh, hope is three now. Okay. Um, And so we waited about five years before we adopted again. Okay. And in between those five years, we had, um, a kinship placement for foster care. I had taken one of my students home with us um, for a little over a year. So, you know, we were doing some things within that five years, but after she went home, Rush asked, when am I going to get a brother or sister that doesn't leave? Oh, yeah. And I thought, okay, it's time, (laughs) you know, and, um, it's time. And I was wanting another child. And, and I was in the back of my mind, I had asked for God to take that desire away, but I thought, well, he could do it if he wanted to, (laughs) even though I didn't desire it because, you know, selfishly, it would obviously be the easy way out, you know, if I could just get pregnant. But, um, so we waited, you know, five years before we attempted this all again. And we decided that we were going to do a domestic adoption. And that is where you wait for a birth mother to choose you. We went through an agency and birth mothers come in who are having unplanned pregnancies, crisis pregnancies, who feel like this is best for them and their child. Mm-hmm. Um, they look through books and pick a family. So instead of being on a, just a waiting list where we, we, we were next in line, okay. we were just waiting. Sure. And I had, um, we had waited till started in May and God told me I was going to have a girl and God told me I was going to have this girl by October. So I thought, okay, I can wait till October. No big deal. Well, October came and passed and it was about Christmas time. And I was mad that October had passed and I still didn't have my baby Mm -hmm. and rush was getting older. And I thought this was just supposed to be easier this time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect God to make it this hard. (laughs) And 
I was sitting in my car one day and a song came on. It was a Christmas song. Uh, and it said, hope is born. Mm. And I thought, that's her name, hope, hope is born. And little did I know at the time, she had been conceived and a, uh, a woman had conceived a baby that she was not planning to have. And so while I was going through the months to come, I was mad that it wasn't happening. I was mad that I, that we were not getting picked. Mm-hmm. Um, hope was being formed. Mm-hmm. And I think God has a different birthday for us mm-hmm. than we do. Yeah. And God always knew that we were supposed to be Hope's parents. Mm-hmm. And so while I was very, very depressed and going through all of the cycles of grief again mm-hmm. um, that infertility brings and not being able to get, you know, the answers and not know what's going to happen, a Hope was being formed and loved on by her first mama. Mm-hmm. And, and so by July we had went a year without getting picked. And after a year in adoption, you have to update your home study again. So we were at that turning point where we had to make a decision and Michael and I are doers. So we were going to fix this for God and we were going to do another international adoption. So in July, I filled out an application I had paid the first application fee with an agency to go to Bulgaria. We had Bulgaria picked out. And, um, and so on that Monday, I had done all that stuff and sent it off in the mail and had been in conversation with them. And on that Friday, I get a phone call from the agency that we worked with for Russia's adoption. Um, it was in Missouri that had done our home study. And I had not talked to them in two years. I had not been in contact with them and they didn't know that we were trying to adopt again. And she called us and said, hi, I, Samantha, I bet you're wondering why I'm calling. And I, I said, yeah, actually what's going on. She said, well, are you guys interested in adopting again? We weren't working with them. We were working with a different agency. And I just laughed and said, yes, actually. And told her that we'd been waiting over a year And she shared with us that, well, we had a couple come in who are expecting, and I thought of you guys. I thought you guys would be perfect for them and wondered if we could share your, you know, information with them. And I said, actually, I have a book. I'll drop it off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yes, I didn't even ask. I didn't ask. I didn't ask anything about the baby. I didn't ask anything about the parents. I just said yes, because I know God. Yeah. (laughs) And he did it the first time and I knew that this was God. And so, um, we went a few weeks and they were supposed to come in. They weren't supposed to come in. And, um, finally the end of August, um, by now we learned that they were going to have a little girl Mm -hmm. and it was just another confirmation. Um, and so I had stopped, um, told the international agency that we needed to put this on hold, that this is what was happening. And we got a call the end of August on a Sunday afternoon. And she said, could you guys come in? They're here. And I said, they're here and they want to meet us and some other people, right? Nope. They want to meet you guys. 
And so we got dressed as fast as we could. We flew an hour um, to where this was located and met my daughter's parents. And it was the most beautiful, awkward meeting Mm -hmm. to ever be a part of. And she, her birth mother got up and met me halfway as soon as I walked in and hugged my neck Mm. and said, we just, we love you guys. You're perfect. And I'm dilated to a two and this isn't my first, so you better be ready. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, so with that, we sat down and we talked, just talked for hours about their hopes and their dreams for their daughter and why they thought this was best for them and her and, and really made sure that they were ready to do this. Mm -hmm. And because it's hard, it was so, I could just see it was so hard for her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this was the most unselfish act I have ever seen in my whole life. And I hear all the time, Oh my goodness, she's so lucky. I can't believe someone would give up their baby. And I go, she didn't give her baby up. She wanted to give her a chance at life. You know, she chose life for her baby. And even though she wasn't ready for her, she still loved her. She loves her more than you could even imagine to be able to make this sacrifice. So um, my heart goes out to birth moms who, who have made that sacrifice because it's, it was painful mm-hmm. and I don't take that lightly, um, that responsibility mm-hmm. that her crisis pregnancy and her crisis at that time was my miracle. Wow. And so I don't, you know, I, I think about that when I look at my kids and think I, when I, when I'm being, you know, feel like I'm being a terrible mom, I'm like, okay, straighten up, <laughs> you know, their gifts. when you get those yeah, they're gifts. Um, so Hope was uh, born in September. Um, and we got to the hospital at 7 o'clock. She was born two weeks later, uh, almost two weeks to the day later. Um, at 7 o'clock, we got to the hospital, and she was born at 7.16. Oh, my. And, yes, we were able to listen at the door as she was being born. Um, but her birth mom didn't want to see us. Um sure at the hospital. She thought it would be too hard. And so we respected that. And even though I wanted to just get a hold of her and just love on her, mm-hmm. but you know, we respected that. And, you know, God told me I was going to have a baby in October. Hope was born in September, but circumstances with paperwork and getting things signed, um, we didn't go to court until October. Ah, to make it official. Sure. So I got my October baby and got to love on her a little bit early, earlier than um, October. So, but it was so much harder the second time with hope. And I think I just didn't learn my lesson the first time. Mm. Wow. I just, I really, you know, I thought God would make it easier. Mm -hmm. I thought God would not... I've checked off the boxes and I had to go through my ordeal the first time Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't going to happen again. And I should have known better because I prayed, I prayed, God, 
I want my second child to have a, as miraculous of a story as my first. Mm-hmm. I, I want her to feel as special and as, you know, significant mm-hmm. as my first. Mm-hmm. And he provided that. Yes, he did. <laughs> he provided that. And with pain always has something good in store. God always has, even through the hard times, yeah. you know, our present sufferings yes. cannot compare to the joy that God has for us. And oh. he always brought me back to that Romans 8. Because in that Romans 8, if you don't mind me going back to the word, mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. way down, um, and I read out of the message. It's a little yeah. easier for me to read. Yeah. But Romans eight twenty two, all around us, we observe a preg- pregnant creation. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, but within us. The Holy Spirit of God is arousing within us. We're also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectations. Wow. And I I just, he continued to take me back to that, Mm. that it's okay to wait. And it's painful to wait. And Mm. I love that he picked out those verses about a pregnant mother. Yeah. When he was having me go through this. we're waiting in expectance for whatever that is, whether we're waiting for a husband, Mm -hmm. whether we're waiting for children, whether we're waiting for that diagnosis to be cleared. Right. You know, we can wait uh, expectantly because God has good for us. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. So Sam, I love how many times you reference that you, you heard from the Holy spirit. You got a green light from the Holy spirit that that God was just very, very clear to you. And that's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be to us, right? Yes. That he yes. will lead you into all truth. He's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's your helper. Mm-hmm. So all of these different things all throughout the process, even though it was difficult for you, even yes. in the pain, you still allowed God to comfort you in that pain. And, yes. um, and I love that you were very real in your story of just saying the, when the first disappointment came, Mm-hmm. of knowing I was angry because I think sometimes oh, yeah. we're like, oh, I love Jesus. I can't be angry. No, no. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. Have, mm-hmm. have the feelings. He gave us those emotions, but still you ran back to the Lord. And so, and then Absolutely. there are just things in the natural you had to walk out. And then to be able to mm-hmm. allow the Lord to show you the bigger picture for four kids, four yes. kids that were brought into a family and not just two. I mean, isn't that just like God to multiply his blessing, his oh, goodness, and yes. his mercy? I love, I love Absolutely. that. I love Absolutely. That. And I just, and I know I go keep going back to Romans 8, but it even says in there that through our wordless cries, God knows the Holy Spirit can intercede for you and knows what to pray when you don't know what to pray. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's... Um, when, when you accept Jesus Christ, you're accepting that Holy Spirit. And that's our connection. That's our communication with God. I love that. Um, that gives you those, you know, 
uh, I gives you those signals. No, nope, right. I don't think so. I don't think right. we should be doing that. Right. Um, or, or here's your green light. Here's your open door. Walk right. through it and accept it. And, um, so yeah, I just, I, I want, I want people, I want women out there to know that are struggling, um, especially with infertility. Cause you know, that's my story when they're expecting something to happen, when they're walking through infertility, there's so much guilt that comes with it. Guilt that their body's not working correctly. Guilt that they're not able to provide a family to their husband like they're supposed to. Um, and then there comes guilt, you know, when you decide to adopt instead of continuing to get pregnant. Um, you know, I had some family members that were like, what do you mean you can't get pregnant? I've never heard of that before. And so, you know, there's, there's just layers of guilt that go with it. And then if you decide to adopt, you know, do you feel guilt? Do I feel guilty for doing an international adoption versus, you know, and so there, I, I don't feel guilty. I don't want anyone to feel, have guilt right. because that does not come from Jesus. That comes from the devil making yeah. you feel guilty. Right. No one can judge, you know, only God knows what he's put on our hearts and, right. and what door he's opening for us. Right. And there's kids everywhere that needs home that need homes yeah and and there's that guilt does not come from god Mm -hmm. Uh, it 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 does not come from god so So. if we have listeners that are hearing your story and they're like okay i i resonate with this and i'd like to talk to someone or i'd like more information if they're researching how can they get a hold of rush to hope Yes. Well, I have um, everything that I have um, online is Rush to Hope Ministries. Okay. So that's my, my website is rushtohopeministries.com. Um, and my email is rushtohopeministries at gmail.com. Okay. And then they can find me on Facebook too. And on, I'm very active on Facebook. Um, I do live videos about adoption, about infertility. Um, and so... I'm on Facebook as Rush to Hope Ministries um, and Instagram. So they can find me at all those different places. That's awesome. Um, So yeah, and I love to talk about adoption. So if anyone is thinking about adoption, um, they can chat with me on Facebook, um, especially now. I'm free. (laughs) There's a lot of freedom happening right now. There's a lot of freedom. Um, so, So yeah, I just, I love to talk about people. I, I, I just, yeah. I am a people-loving introvert, so I kind of like this. I like this, but I I, I love listening to people's um, hearts. So, well, we loved we loved listening to yours today. Thank you so much much. for being on our podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I know that your story. I just I love those names. Rush to hope. That's my prayer for the listeners, Mm -hmm. that this hits, that they will rush to hope, that there is hope, and that their present suffering, it does not compare to the good that God has for them. Thank you for that. Thank you for reminding us of God's word. Samantha, it has been so good to hear your story and to hear just the miracles of what God has done. I I want our listeners to recognize that our God is a planner and that Mm -hmm. in his planning, though, it's not going to go according to our plan. His thoughts are mm-hmm. higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher yes. than our ways. And it's mm-hmm. the, going to be the best. 
And it yes. makes the best stories. People who say that serving God is boring, and I'm like, you don't know our God. Uh-uh. No. It's not boring at all. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. We are so glad that we were able to hear from you. And um, listeners, you want to make sure that you reach out to Samantha. If you have friends, send this story to them, share this, comment about it, um, because we know that it will impact and encourage lives. So we will see you next time. Or by see, I mean talk to you because you can't actually see us. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.